right, welcome back to The Faith Awakens. This is our fifth episode being taped through KALA, but uh, being called into by myself, Father Tom Hennon, Chaplain and Director of Campus Ministry here at St. Ambrose, along with my co-host, Megan Grady, student of the virtual St. Ambrose campus now, I guess you would say. (laughs) That's right. And we are very pleased to announce that this week on the podcast, we have a guest, a very good friend of mine, John Bowser, Dr. John Bowser. Uh, He graduated just a couple years after me. So say hi, John, to our listeners. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Glad to be on the podcast. So, John, you graduated in 2002. I graduated in 2000, and we kind of hung out in the same group of friends and and did some things together. We're in some theater productions together. And uh, also, I was very honored to to have your wedding several years back, um, way up in Green Bay. I have to tell you, too, I promised I would. I am wearing my Green Bay Packers jersey, personalized Green Bay Packers jersey that you gave to me for doing your wedding those many years ago. So even though I'm a Vikings fan. It's nice how you still have it. I still have it. Yes, I still have it. I haven't burned it or anything. So, yeah. But you knew I was a Vikings fan, and you got it for me anyhow. I did. Yeah, I knew you were a Vikings fan, um, but it was in, in Green Bay, and the reception was at Lambeau Field. That's right. And that then, great if reception. I recall, the groomsmen were mutual friends of ours from Ambrose, and they showed up for the wedding, the practice, uh, the rehearsal mass, uh, wearing Bears jerseys. So that's all, right. It all worked out well. I do remember that. Yeah. So good deal. Well, um, we thought we'd start on a little. I, I have to give you some. I have to give the folks some some of your credentials here too, just so that they know um, kind of why we brought you on. Not just because you're my good friend, but also um, so you you actually have your your PhD in in population health. Is that correct? That is correct. And you are um, adjunct for the university, an adjunct professor for the university for the Masters in Public Health. And you are also a member of the uh, Alumni Advisory Board for the College of Health and Human Services. So you happen to know a little bit about everything that's kind of going on right now, which, of course, is what everybody's still talking about. We'll get into a little bit of that later in the podcast as well. But so that's where you're coming from. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I can add to the discussion and and share some information for, for the listeners in the Ambrose community. Yeah. Well, uh, Megan, I'm guessing uh, you're just dying to ask John uh, if he has any embarrassing stories about me from our Ambrose years as students. Yes, mostly um, if you have any embarrassing stories, those would be fantastic. Uh, (laughs) But I really want to hear you mention theater productions that you both were in. I really want to hear about that. What productions were you in? What shows or roles did you guys play? Yeah, so we were... We were in a couple shows together, so as far as Tom said, we overlapped by two years. Um, and I believe we were in, let's see, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I actually was not in that one. Yeah, that was my senior year. It was, it was while I was here, but I, I didn't go, go out for that one. Yeah. No, I um, hot exceeding business without really trying. That for sure. And you did. Okay. So, John, in addition to being a very uh, smart guy and also uh, just all-around good guy, you are a gymnast. Um, and so I remember for that play, didn't you have to do some handsprings or some sort of gymnastics on the stage um, in a high-pressure situation? Yeah, that's true. So as far as acting chops and even more so singing chops, I wouldn't say those were really in very high quality. Uh-huh. But I knew I could do flips, and it being the musical, I figured that would be a way for me to get into the show and 
having not known anybody at Ambrose, it was my way to basically make friends. Um, and it worked out. I got to the show. I met yourself and, and the yeah. groomsmen at my wedding and, and some of the best friends I have to this day. Yeah. That's that's what I love about this place is you do meet some people that you kind of stick with through the years, which is really cool. So uh, were you in A Christmas Carol, too? I can't remember. Did you have a small part in that? Or... Um, if I did small, it would probably be the right word. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we had, we had a couple shows together. Um, but, you know, as far as if, you know, the Ambrose students want to kind of dive into your past a little bit more on their own, all they have to do is head over after they're done listening to this, go to sau.edu slash theater, that's R-E, not E-R, look back to productions. You're going to have to go back to the late 20th century. So the photo quality, not quite as good, but you'll be able to see the father of time you know and love as some of history and theater's greatest characters. We're talking Albert Einstein, uh-huh. um, Bob, Bob Cratchit from A Christmas Carol, um, and Snoopy from Charlie Brown. So, once again, that's sau.edu slash theater. You can see Father Tom not only as a young man, but a young man dressed up as other people. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Great. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm so grateful for the Internet sometimes. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it lives forever. Yeah. Yeah, no one would have ever known that you would have played uh, about your award-winning return as Snoopy. But thanks to the internet, it's now archived forever. And just to be clear, I was Charlie Brown in that production of Snoopy. Oh, so I yeah, did not. Were, yes, it was the children's show was Snoopy, and I was Charlie Brown in it. Oh, even and, better, uh, honestly, even I had better. I shaved my head, and of course they put me in the typical <laughs> jagged line yellow shirt and brown shoes, and I had to sing a very sad song about where my where my dog went because in the show Snoopy runs away, and so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe that'll be another episode where I just I make you sing all the all all of your past roles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. And I mean, there are pictures of me too. If you want some embarrassing stuff, um, one of them I did have to grow my hair out, just about down to my shoulder length. It looks hideous, and it looks oddly like my daughter's hair, who is trying to grow it out to look like Hermione Granger from Harry uh-huh. Potter. So you had to the, – which show was this for? Um, that was The Ladies Not for Burning. Oh, okay. I was not in that. And, yeah, right. I think that and may so have been after I graduated, one, in fact. Yeah, it would have been. I think it, was, it might have been my senior year. Uh, but, yeah, growing the hair out, it looks, it looks hideous. But, you know, it's the things you do for, for art. Yep. Oh, goodness. I yeah I don't think I produced too many embarrassing stories about myself in my time here. I hope I I don't know probably stuff that's embarrassing no, to, I, me, to me that nobody else knows about. But you know, eh, <laughs> we all have that. Well, yeah, right. and you know I, I I teach an online program, but I am on campus you know two two or three times a year for different meetings and things like that. Um, but I just want to make it clear that if if anyone wants to come up to me and say hi, please do so. But if you ask if I have any dirt on Father Tom, I can't help you. I can't help you. I, having known you for over two decades now, I can say that, that Tom is a kind, trustworthy, and, and loyal person that's meant to be in this position. So happy happy that you are where that's you are. That's right, John. And the check is in the mail. All right. <laughs> so uh, I guess since you, fun stuff. since you both 
as a current student, I guess, of St. Ambrose, I was like, we see the campus now, like I'm well, obviously not right now, but um, places people hang out, you see where kids hang out. Where did you guys like to hang out or like study? I know there's some like, there's division between, is it better to study in the Beehive or the library? Like, where did you guys like to hang out or study? Well, I generally, um, actually, I studied in the lower chapel a lot, um, which a lot of people still do. It was a lot darker than it is now. They changed the lighting. And there used to actually be like a little conversation pit kind of built into one, what was one of the offices. Actually, it's in what is now our Director of Music and Liturgy, Lauren Bulwig's office. There was like a, some couches and things like that set up there. So that was a favorite spot of mine. If I needed to do any serious studying, though, I was probably uh, finding a carol somewhere in the library way up on the third or fourth floor, um, kind of secluded from everybody. What about you, John? Yeah, for me, it was more the library. And in all honesty, the, there's quite a chasm between um, John Bowser with a PhD and John Bowser as an undergrad. So most of my studying was done in the library. Um, and, you know, that's about it. As far as where we hung out, um, there was, I believe that, at the time, because it's been 20 years, the time at the time the townhouses were de-blocked. Are they Stroob now? Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. I think they're called Stroob now. Yeah. Okay. So Stroob A. But yeah, um, and then D A townhouse D A. Yeah. Yeah. And then where I live, my last two years was a. Um, well, my parents would say it was a dilapidated house, but it's now a parking lot over on um, Harrison Street. I lived in two places that are now parking lots on campus, one on Harrison and one on Gaines. So, yeah. Um, And then I lived in Hayes Hall, which the students all think is strange, but that actually was a dorm at one point and was where the seminary was and and also uh, was designated as a quiet study floor, I think. And uh, but now that's all engineering labs and and, uh, offices up there, which is crazy. But, uh, yeah. Elsewhere on campus, where did I hang out? Uh, yeah, townhouses was a big place, um, especially when the weather was nicer out on the back porches and, and that kind of thing. Um, where else? We did hang out in the bee- – well, we didn't really hang out in the beehive as much. The beehive is much – there gets better use today than it ever did when we were students. Um, but we there used to be a, kind of a, a – a, um, variety show i guess you would call it or an open mic kind of thing that that our friends um would put on and that was maybe not every week but every so often and and uh, that started in the studio theater in galvin and then moved to the beehive when it kind of got really big and it did get really big for a while which was a lot of fun but students could um perform or do a little either do a little scene or sing a song or different things like that so that was kind of a popular thing to do as i recall Yep. Yeah, it's oh, called Inside Down There. Yeah, it was called Inside Down There, and that was having to do with the fact that it was inside Galvin down there. It was like describing where the studio theater was, which if you've never been to the studio theater in Galvin, it is kind of hard to find. You have to go down that yeah. that, that west wing and then wake your way down some stairs through the back of the theater. And, and so that's where it started, and that's why that name came about. Yeah. yeah, the studio theater it kind of seems like when you're going there, it feels like you're not supposed to be there. When you're walking yeah. down, you feel like you're like <laughs> in VIP area. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so I was just thinking about questions to ask you guys, and I was on 
uh, social media and I was looking at all the seniors who sadly like don't get to finish out, you know, the way they had planned. But a lot of them were just talking about different memories they had of SAU or like their favorite memories. Um, do you guys have any favorite memories that would stand out to you guys of SAU? Wow. That's a good one. I, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint one. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of good memories of hanging out with friends. And um, I remember, you know, from even my freshman year going to, you know, you're just kind of first meeting people. And, and these are people that you haven't known before, obviously, and you're, they're from different places. And so I just remember the, the first time going to hang out with some people over in, in Rollman um, when that was a pit, um, when it was <laughs> lived in just by guys and it was treated terribly. It's it's really much nicer now. So I don't know what students think of Roman now, but it was a lot worse um, when I was a student. But I remember hanging out there with friends in Roman. Um, I, I, you know, I remember, you know, when the weather was nicer in the fall and in the spring on campus and, and those kind of scenes. I remember all of the, the theater. I mean, honestly, the theater stuff was a big memory for me because that was kind of my main creative outlet that was the thing that I did a lot of and that's where a lot of my friend group came from and I wasn't a theater major or even a minor I just hung out with those folks a lot and tried out for plays here and there and had a blast doing that Um, so those are all positive memories Um, campus ministry retreats and service trips we used to always go down to David Kentucky to work with the David school down there those were certainly powerful memories for me still Um, yeah it's hard to pinpoint one yeah, I mean, for me, it's yeah, it's kind of the same idea, kind of a series of memories. Many of them on Galvin stage. Um, I remember one time at a children's show, the sole at one point I got thrown across the stage, and the sole of my shoe came unglued and flew into the audience. And Ooh. I just remember the yeah, <laughs> the look on you know people's faces as that happened. Um, but then there's some just kind of big moments that happened during my time at Ambrose um, that sort of stick with me. I mean, my senior year was when September 11th happened, when the Twin Towers came down. And I do remember it was either that night or the next night there was an all-night vigil. Mm -hmm. And for some reason that I'll never know, I signed my roommate and I up for the 3 a.m. slot. (laughs) And and we made it. We were there. And, I mean, we showed up. And and my my roommate at the time, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Cook, brought his guitar and, and played it and, and we sang there's a you know in Christ the King and we stayed there the rest of the night when we had breakfast at VI and yeah. certainly not a good memory for the circumstance but yeah. it you know sticks with you and it's kind of the fact that you know, resonated and that the Ambrose community came together so strongly and so quickly um, makes it you know a memory that that really shows to me what St. Ambrose means and so it's still with me yeah. There you have it, Meg. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, in the time that we have left, we do want to move on to a little bit more uh, of a serious topic and kind of pick your brain um, as as a professional in the area of public health. Uh, just to kind of talk about, you know, I think everybody in these last couple of weeks as more and more news has come out, and especially here at St. Ambrose, We've been, of course, naturally fixated on how this impacts us, you know, as students, faculty, staff, as a university, and kind of more the immediate impact of all of this going on. But maybe, John, you can give us some insight a little bit 
um, into the bigger picture of, of what's going on right now. And I know Megan had sent in a question um, earlier to me by text just saying um, basically uh, um, some people are doubting the seriousness of this and how do you address those people? Um, and also what can we be doing to, to help even from isolation, as it were, from home? Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, doubting the seriousness of it, you know, one of the biggest challenges I think going forward is the longer we stay in this, you know, the self-isolation, I think we'll think less with our head and more with our heart mm-hmm. in the sense that we're just ready to get back to normal life. And, and that pull is only going to go stronger. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I mean, I'd ask people to really pay attention to what's going on in other parts of the world and in other parts now of the United States. I mean, in New York, it's recently, you know, it exploded in terms of, you know, the number of cases. And so the seriousness of it, it's only more apparent. And mm-hmm. the more we do now, you know, in our local communities, the less severe, we still have a chance to reduce the impact somewhat where mm-hmm. we are. So, you know, I, I guess I just ask people, you know, Fall back and you know, trust on trust the experts from the CDC, the World Health Organization, and those who are really following this very closely. And then, as far as going forward, you know, we are sort of at the next stage of this thing. So, I mean, we've been hearing, you know, wash your hands, you know, practice social distancing, and, you know, and all that, all that, you know, key information. But you know, as as it continues to grow, we see some really huge numbers, right? I mean, we see mm-hmm. tens of thousands of people who have passed away across the globe, literally hundreds of thousands who have been infected. But, you know, we can't really lose sight of the fact that each individual person is that. They are a person and they are an individual. And so as we see more activity of the coronavirus in the Quad Cities, in Iowa, in Illinois, in Wisconsin, the reality is there's an increasing chance that, you know, someone you know may become infected with coronavirus. Yeah. Now, God willing, it'll be, it'll be a minor case, and the vast majority of them still are that way. But regardless, that person would be entering, you know, at best an uncomfortable situation, most likely a very frightening experience. And so my ask of everybody listening is at this point to really kind of have your sense of empathy and compassion on cue and ready to roll. I mean, you know, be point. ready to be there you know, be ready to be there for people emotionally, spiritually, socially, whatever they need, because that sort of person-centered care, whether it comes from doctor to patient or just from a friend or a family member, that's all a vital part of our healthcare system, and it's, it's a part of the healing process that we can all, you know, take a part in and make a big difference. Yeah. I think one of the things that yeah. people are being so frustrated with right now is we want to be there for people, and yet the only way we know how to be there for people is in real space and real time, and not to have some of those possibilities open to us yet. Um, having to figure out that, even how we're trying to be there with our students um, without actually sharing space is, is hard. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like I like that. I think people people just need to be more compassionate. Like you said, the statistics are big, but each one of those are individual people. So I think that's a good way. I think it's a refreshing way to look at it, especially with the news, just putting out statistics everywhere. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. You're welcome. Yeah. What about, where do you see this kind of overlapping with, you know, obviously as Ambrosian is one of the things that we kind of pride ourselves on being passionate about our, our issues of social justice and, 
And of course, a lot of this is still unfolding, but we're thinking of, you know, um, access to adequate health care and employment and already vulnerable communities that are having to deal with the impact of this. And uh, what do you have to say about that or, or how, how can we learn more about that or be more attentive to those issues? Right. So one of the reasons that so, so the public health program at Ambrose is very young, a few years old. And, you know, one of the reasons that I was so happy that public health came to St. Ambrose is because public health as a discipline, it's really at that intersection of science and social justice. Mm-hmm. And as you pointed out, as Ambrosians, you know, we, we have a responsibility as students, as alums, as faculty to sort of carry that flag of social justice. And, you know, when we look at public health, you know, we tackle these big, broad topics, but you don't have to peel the layers back too far to find inequities. So yeah. just sort of public health 101, and inequality is just a numerical difference. And inequity is a difference that is just not fair. It shouldn't be that way, and as a society, we shouldn't be okay with it. And so one of the things that you allude to is healthcare access. And, you know, it, those, you know inequities typically cut across a lot of times economic lines, and then racial ethnic lines, sometimes by gender, uh, sometimes by age. And, you know, particularly with the coronavirus, you know, we have, you know, capacity issues as far as testing, but also as far as receiving care, there are those issues that as the numbers grow and grow and grow, it's going to become more of a social justice issue. It's happening in Milwaukee, for example, um, where there is a big disparity. And it shouldn't be that way. And, you know, social justice is a big, it's a very broad term and an idea, but looking at it through a public health lens sort of gives us an opportunity for a real focused, you know, area of attention in things that we can do that can ultimately make steps towards making the world a more equitable place. And so, you know, advocating for greater healthcare access for those who are on the margins, those who are in, you know, poor economic straits. Um, having that sort of focused attention at a time like this crisis, but also in general. I mean, those same public health issues that were before coronavirus and are going to stay with us after also share those same areas of health inequities. And, and carrying that flag of social justice can help us to really make inroads into making the world a better place. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing some of those insights because um, it is important for us, I think, especially as we look to eventually, whatever that timeline is, get beyond this. You know, I've been telling people, I I hope we don't go back to business as usual. I hope we don't go back to our old lives. I mean, I hope we go back to lives with uh, opened eyes and open hearts to some of these needs and some of these issues um, so that it's not just kind of, uh, you know, going back to to where we were before, but seeing, you know, how we can be better from this and through this. Um, And also to be less maybe focused on, yeah, there are individual personal concerns that we have that we're dealing with as students and faculty and staff and as a university as a whole, but we're going to get through these things, um, and we'll figure this out, and everybody's making do for right now, um, making this work in the best way they can, um, but once we're uh, back to usual, whatever that new usual looks like, um, how can we be a little bit more open to uh, helping others and being more compassionate and looking at some of these bigger pictures? So. Um, on a lighter note to kind of round out our time here, um, Megan or John, did you do anything fun, particularly fun this last week, uh, even from your own personal isolation? Um, I really, I mean, I guess 
I don't know. I really haven't been doing anything like so the answer is really no. fun. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Father Tom, no, I haven't been having any fun. No, I don't know. I've oh. just been. I just feel like I've just been existing, which sounds sad. Yeah. And if my mom's listening to this, I'm mom. I'm not sad that I'm here. Okay, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't I know. It's just kind of like just, just existing. I would say, yeah. What about you, John? Yeah. Well, I mean, everything is relative. So we've been in this state, at least we have up here for two weeks. Like that sounds right. I, I, I'm not even sure I'm able to keep track anymore. But fun for now is being able to. I have two kids, age seven mm-hmm. and five, and being able to go outside and push them on the swings without freezing. That's that's what's considered fun right now. Oh, well, that's that is fun. So when the sun's out, yeah, it's out in the backyard, but that's that's all I got for right now. Good deal. Yeah. You five or Um, probably the funnest thing I've done this last week, some of my buddies uh that I normally do try to get together with in physical space to play strategy board games and whatnot, uh, we were able to set up um through an app and, and uh through our computers at home to basically play a a role playing game. Um, you know, virtually, and that's been a lot of fun because you can still, you know, someone's still kind of leading you through the adventure, and you're still creating characters. And again, through technology, you can you can throw images up of things, and you can see, or the the the, the person leading the adventure can type in a little message and tell you what you need to do. You know, so there's a lot of ways to do that and still have fun, and it doesn't really take that much away from the experience. Um, so that that's been fun. Um, I, I I combed through my board game collection too, and I found all of the games that actually do play solo versions. Because when I, when I'm at home and I'm in isolation at home, it's just me. You know, uh, you're, you're there with your families, but I'm I'm like all by myself. <laughs> so looking for board games uh, that play one player, uh, and I happen to have a few of them. So I dug out one of those the other day too, and I started to work my way through that, which has been uh, which has been good. So. All finding ways to try to keep ourselves sane and happy and healthy and holy and all of those good things. So, but thank you again, John, for joining us on this podcast. Um, I'm glad that we could demonstrate for Megan uh, that we grew up to be responsible, um, mm-hmm. good, decent citizens and human beings. So that's right. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, me on. The early early 2000s were the golden years, apparently. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. God bless you both. Thanks for being on. And uh, oh, we have to we have to do our normal closing, don't we, Megan? That's that's you. Yeah. Um, may the faith be with you. And with your spirit. <laughs> All, All right. right. See, you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye.